you stand to your feet, put your hands together with a great, great applause, and help me welcome Eddie James. Give it up. Come on, somebody give Jesus a great, a great God bless you. Can you help me appreciate and love Dale Augusta, man? I echo what Pastor Chris said last night. I believe that there is such a trumpet in the voice of this man. I believe that this is one of the generation's most powerful warriors and generals in the faith. You have a treasure here. You really do have a treasure here. And uh, I, if it was left up to me, Dale Augusta would be at every conference. Not only that I go to, but all the ones that I go to. Uh, because no one speaks the truth and releases the glory and has the word of the Lord in their mouth like this man does. He's powerful. So can you help me praise God one more time for Dale Augusta? And can you help me praise God for my crew that came all the way with me? Oh, my goodness. So, Dale, usually I'll have them drive all the way from the East Coast to the West Coast nonstop. We just do it. Every time we've come with Lou Engle and come with all of that, we come. But they done got a little lazy on me now. They stop in along the way and getting sleeping in, in hotels and stuff like that. So, y'all, I'm not raising up no weak EJM. I need some. No, that was great. No, no, they have made the journey, and I am so proud of you all. Thank you so much for giving your heart and just uh, taking such a long journey to be a part. I'm from the West Coast. I'm from Phoenix, Arizona, as well. I was born and raised and spent a lot of time in uh, California, and and I uh, have a heart for this part of America and uh, want to do this more often. But we live in the South and do a lot of stuff in the East, so anytime I get to come to the West Coast, it is a uh, price for us to come, uh, but we feel called to it. And uh, and if I'm going to come, I want to come with brothers like this. And so I'm so grateful uh, to be with Dale, and I'm so grateful, team, that you uh, said yes uh, and did this with us. Amen. I um I have something that I just want to release from the Lord. Um, I'm just going to take a moment and just. God's just beginning to download some stuff to me about five or six this morning. I'm just going to release it, and uh, I believe it's going to bless people today. How many of you come hungry to hear from God? I said, how many of you come hungry to hear from God? So we're talking about revival in the church. And if you're going to give this a theme at all, I'm going to call it the glorious church. Everybody say the glorious church. Shout it again, the glorious church. One more time, say the glorious church. Who is the church? The church is Jesus Christ manifested through his people who have been redeemed by his blood. The church is the new word made flesh. The church is the body of Christ. The church is God on earth revealed through a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
a peculiar people who show forth the praises of him who have called them out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Romans 12, 5 says, So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. 1 Corinthians 10, 16, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through 28, Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Colossians 1, 18, and he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Who is the church? The church is Jesus Christ, manifested through his people who have been redeemed by his blood. The church is the new word made flesh. The church is the body of Christ. The church is God on earth, revealed through a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people who show forth the praises of him who have called them out of darkness into his marvelous light. Colossians 1.24, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Ephesians 1.17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him that filleth all in all who is the church the church is jesus christ manifested through his people who have been redeemed by his blood the church is the new word made flesh the church is the body of Christ. The church is God on 
earth, revealed through a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people who show forth the praises of him who have called them out of darkness into his marvelous light. Somebody give God a shout of praise if you know that you are the church. And what is the church like when fully alive? The church is glorious. The church is holy. The church is powerful, filled with the Holy Ghost. She's more than a conqueror. She walks in victory. The church of Jesus is absolutely amazing. Look at your neighbor and tell him, you're amazing. You're amazing. Look at your other neighbor and say, you are glorious. The church of Jesus is absolutely amazing. Her nature is characterized by love. Her actions are governed in wisdom and revelation. The church has a grace to make earth look like heaven, overthrowing the devil, his demons, and darkness. When the church is fully alive, believers are perfected and equipped. Ministry is released and his body is edified. When the church is fully alive, her worship is deep and intense and extravagant. Her praise is undignified, filled with expressions of joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. There is no sound, no song, no shout, or no dance in the earth that can compare to her. When the church is fully alive, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the sick are healed, the dead is raised, and God is glorified. When the church is fully alive, families are mended, prodigal sons come home, cities and nations are changed. When the church is fully alive, souls are added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Ephesians 5.27, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Isaiah 61, 1 through 2, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God and to comfort all who mourn. What is the church like when fully alive? The church is glorious. The church is holy. The church is powerful filled with the Holy Ghost. She's more than a conqueror. She walks in victory. The church of Jesus is absolutely amazing. Give somebody a high five and tell them you're amazing. Her nature is characterized by love. Her actions governed in wisdom and revelation. The church has a grace to make earth look like heaven, overthrowing the devil, his demons, and darkness. When the church is fully alive, believers are perfected and equipped. Ministry is released, and the body is edified. When the church is fully alive, her worship is deep and intense and extravagant. Her praise is undignified, filled with expressions of joy that is unspeakable. 
unspeakable and full of glory. There is no sound, no song, no shout, or no dance in the earth that can compare to this glorious church. When the church is fully alive, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the sick are healed, the dead is raised, and God is glorified. When the church is fully alive, families are mended, prodigal sons come home, cities and nations are changed. When the church is fully alive, souls are added to the church daily, such as should be saved. I see Isaiah 61 and 3, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Matthew 10, 1. And when he called unto him his 12, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Matthew 16 and 18. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against him. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever thou hast bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What is the church like when fully alive? The church is glorious. The church is holy. The church is powerful, filled with the Holy Ghost. She's more than a conqueror. She walks in victory. The church of Jesus is absolutely amazing. Shout to your neighbor, you're amazing. Her nature is characterized by love. Her actions govern in wisdom and revelation. The church has a grace that make earth look like heaven. Overthrowing the devil, his demons, and darkness. When the church is fully alive, believers are perfected and equipped. Ministry is released and his body is edified. When the church is fully alive, her worship is deep, intense, and extravagant. Her praise is undignified. I just wish somebody would give God an undignified praise right now somebody give God an undignified praise give God a, I don't care what you think about me praise give God a, I don't care if you don't like my shout if you don't like my sound give God a shout a praise her praise is undignified, filled with expressions of joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. There's no sound, no song, no shout, no dance in the earth that can compare to her. When the church is fully alive, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the sick are healed, the dead is raised, and God is glorified. When the church is fully alive, families are mended, prodigals come home, cities and nations are changed when the church is fully alive souls are added to the church daily such as should be saved that's the church somebody shout that's the church that's the church when she's fully alive so if this is the church is this who we are a part of if this is who we are then when does this glorious church need revival when does a church like this need revival 
To revive means to activate, set in motion, or take up again, to renew. To revive means to restore to life or consciousness. To revive means to put on or show again as in something has been hidden or silenced. To revive means to make operative or valid again. To revive means to quicken or renew in the mind, to bring back. When this glorious church is in this state, we need revival. We need awakening. We need a fresh outpouring, a fresh fire. We need Holy Ghost wind to blow again. I'm not just talking about dancing feet and shouting voices. And I'm certainly not referring to Christian production sets and a light show. I'm talking about a church of prayer, a church of purity, a church of power and compassion. When, when, where the church is not shining, darkness is winning. And we need a God encounter of the Acts chapter 2 fashion. Galatians chapter 1, 6 through 9. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there'll be some that trouble you and will pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach another gospel unto you than that which ye have received, let him be accursed. Galatians 5, 7 through 8. Ye did run well, but who hindered you that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. Jude 1, 3 through 4. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. And denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. When does this glorious church need revival? When this glorious church is in the state in which we just read, we need revival. We need awakening. We need a fresh outpouring. We need a fresh fire. We need Holy Ghost wind to blow. I'm not just talking about dancing feet and shouting voices. And I'm certainly not referring to Christian production sets and a light show. I'm talking about a church of prayer, a church of purity, a church of power and compassion. Where the church is not shining, darkness is winning. We need a God encounter in the Acts chapter 2 fashion. Revelations 2, 4 through 5 says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works over. Or else I will come unto thee quickly, and remove thy candlestick out of thy place, except thou repent. Revelation 2, 14 through 16. But I have a few things against thee, because thou there." has hold to the doctrine of Balaam and taught Balak to cast a stumbling block. Who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication? So has 
so hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent. I know we don't preach that no more. Repent. I know we don't say that no more. Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Of my mouth. Revelation 2, 20 through 23. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searches the reins and hearts, and I will give unto everyone according to their works. When does this glorious church need revival? This church needs revival when we find her in this state. We need awakening. We need a fresh outpouring. We need a fresh fire. We need Holy Ghost wind to blow. I'm not talking about dancing feet, shouting voices, and I'm certainly not referring to Christian production sets and a light show. I'm talking about a church of prayer, a church of purity, a church of power and compassion. Where the church is not shining, darkness is winning. We need a God encounter in the Acts chapter 2 fashion. Much of the American church pulpits and platforms are filled with preachers and worship leaders who have preached grace messages without the fear of the Lord. We are silent on holiness and loud on a perverse approach to the message of grace. Sexual sin, pornography, and alcoholism have become the norm. A life of prayer, consecration, and true submission to God is unheard of in our preachers and our congregations. Services are shorter. The work of the Holy Spirit is limited to almost none. We don't cast out devils because if we do, we would be like the sons of Sceva, calling on the name of Jesus without the authority and the power of Jesus. So instead of looking defeated and powerless during a church service, we just remove the supernatural from our corporate gatherings completely. When does the church, this glorious church, need revival? When the glorious church is in this state, we need revival. We need awakening. We need a fresh outpouring, a fresh fire. We need the Holy Ghost wind to blow. I'm not just talking about dancing feet, shouting voices. And I'm certainly not referring to Christian production sets and a light show. I'm talking about a church of prayer, a church of purity, a church of power and compassion. Where the church is not shining, darkness is winning. We need a God encounter in the Acts chapter 2 fashion. So when I was a teenager... Growing up in the Church of God in Christ, I would visit, I would go from Phoenix, Arizona, to a city called Tucson. And there was a woman and a man of God called the Cheneys that I was really connected to. They were like my second mother and father. We were dear to this family, godly people. Sister Cheney, like my mother, I can wake up in the morning and hear her calling on the name of the Lord. And she had that kind of a grown kind of pursuit for the Lord. She would cry out to God and have a little tune with it. Oh, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. Some of y'all don't know nothing about that, but that's the way she would call on the Lord. 
and she would just pursue God. And Brother Cheney was an amazing man of God. We were very close to this family, so much so that the song that was the catalyst for what God had given me to go international, especially in the gospel music arena, You've Been So Faithful, Dale was singing a little bit of it earlier. That is done with myself and another young lady. We sang it as a duet. The young lady who sang that with me, her name is Charlotte. She's the daughter of the Cheneys. Dear to this family, when I was a teenager, I would go there, sometimes spend entire summers with them. Brother Cheney passed away in his early 50s. And I remember going to the funeral, and I'm playing keyboard at the funeral. And he had an unsaved nephew who came to the funeral. And everybody's crying because Brother Cheney wasn't a sick man. It was just a sudden death. No one saw it coming. And so it was a very uh, difficult moment. We just didn't know why. We didn't know what was going on. We couldn't see this making sense. And so we knew he was with the Lord, but we were just really torn up that Brother Cheney was no longer with us. But this nephew who was not serving the Lord, the only person that could reach this nephew was Brother Cheney. Brother Cheney had had a history in the world and God had delivered him. And so this particular nephew, if he was going to hear about Jesus from anybody, he would only hear about Jesus from Brother Cheney. Brother Cheney is in this casket at this gathering. And the nephew comes in, and I don't mean this in any kind of a strange way, but sometimes black funerals can be interesting. <laughs> they can just have a lot of drama. I don't, I don't you know, I don't. Uh. So this nephew was just losing his mind. And I'm talking about losing his mind. Just This nephew was just. I mean, he was on 10,000. Like, he was really just very broken about the scenario. So he's screaming, and he's going to the casket, shaking it, and they have to go and grab him. And he's kicking, and, and he's yelling, why? 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 And he's yelling with tears and streaming down his face. And he's yelling, why? Why? And he's kicking so hard. And I'm playing keyboard. And as they're trying to gain control of him, he kicks my keyboard. Literally like kicking a football. I mean, it just left. I mean, I'm literally playing. And all of a sudden, my fingers are still like, I'm so in shock. <laughs> my fingers is... <laughs> still playing and the keyboard is gone people are running away because they don't want to get hit by the keyboard it's crazy I, I didn't even know what to do I just I was just stunned by the moment and this morning now that was when I was a teenager that's been a long time ago that's been nearly 30 years ago. And I kept hearing the nephew of Brother Cheney screaming in my spirit this morning, why? 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 I haven't thought about this since this 
season of my life. I haven't thought about Brother Cheney. I haven't been thinking about the family. But I woke up this morning hearing that shout, that scream of why. And I said, Lord, I haven't even thought about this. What, is, what are you trying to say to me? And I got this picture. God, give me grace to articulate this. I got this picture of the casket being church buildings. And Brother Cheney being the church. And a generation that is screaming at a dead church saying, Wow! Why? Because when you are alive, you're the one I go to to find hope. When you are alive, you're who I go to to find strength. When you are alive, I know that there's a miracle that I can receive. When you are alive. I don't want to hear your music. I'm going to kick the keyboard and ask why. I want to come to a casket full of dead people and come to a funeral. I want to come to a church that's alive. I hear, hear, I hear heroin addicts saying, why? I hear prostitutes saying, why? I hear gang leaders saying, why? I pass your caskets to go to the trap house. Why? Because if you're supposed to be what that Bible says you're supposed to be, then when I come to you, I should see compassion. When I come to you, there ought to be an ability for me to receive healing. Why? You're supposed to be alive. I didn't put it in this particular word that I released this morning, but there was a church that Jesus dealt with that says, you have a name that you are alive, but you're dead. You don't have to make it look like you are alive, but really you're dead. Why? Why? I hear nephews screaming in my spirit. Why? Why does it take a Kanye West for me to see the real? Why does it take Adele Augusta, who's been delivered from crazy stuff, to be bold enough in San Francisco to speak the truth because nobody else will? Why? A thousand churches in a community. More like a thousand caskets. Where a lot of dead Dr. Ch Minister Cheney's. there are nephews who are not impressed with the top 40 worship choruses that you sing. 
There are nephews that are not impressed with your light show and with your nice cameras and screens. They're not impressed with us trying to give them the Christian equivalent of a secular concert. Because that doesn't deliver them from the torment that comes with the aftermath of molestation and rape. That doesn't deliver them from the depression and the anxiety and the suicidal thoughts. That does not deliver them with your one hour and ten minute coffee and donuts, Starbucks church services. That doesn't set this nephew free. Why? When you're supposed to be a glorious church. You're supposed to be the church that is the new word made flesh. You're supposed to be the church that looks like Jesus when he was here. You're supposed to be the glorious church without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. You're supposed to be the people that walk in purity and compassion. I shouldn't be afraid to bring my son to this church because the preacher might molest him. I should not be afraid to put my daughter in the choir because the worship leader might get her pregnant. I should not be afraid to come to the house of God and get cussed out by deacons because I got a cap on. I should not be afraid that because I've got tattoos and piercings, I'm unwelcome because it makes the Christian mothers nervous. I should not be afraid. Asking the church if he's a healer, how come when I'm open to healing, I leave broken? If he's a deliverer, how come in those moments when I really want to be delivered, you don't have the time because church is over? Why is it that in the world I can couch surf for 30 days? be at a different house and I'm welcome but the moment I walk up on your porch you're locking the door and closing the blinds why you're supposed to be a glorious church I mean if you're supposed to be Jesus body what would Jesus do church is alive when the church is alive prostitutes become missionaries when the church is alive drug dealers become gospel dealers when the church is alive she loves everybody unconditionally welcomes them in and gives them hope So for the next few moments, I don't want to just look at the church at large. I don't want to just look at the church down the street. I want us to let this word search our hearts. Are we alive? Am I fully alive? I mean, do I look alive? 
but really are dead on the inside? Do I know how to shout dead? Lead worship dead. Play instruments dead. Preach, but dead on the inside. Have I learned how to go through the form while denying the power? Have I learned how to make the shell and the surface look amazing? While on the inside I'm tormented. Maybe the reason why I can't release deliverance is because I need it myself. Maybe the reason why I can't help you get free is because I flirt with those same demons. Revival for the Bay Area starts with you. Starts with me. It starts with if my people were called by my name. Humble themselves. Maybe it's the grace of God not to bring the most broken in our communities and our churches yet. Because if they come into the house of God, we're not ready. Either we will kick them out or become like them. Because what's in them is more powerful than what's inside of us. The church was never designed to be the place where you hide from your demons and not really get free from them. But we come in and we never really become perfected in Christ. We just secretly keep going through the cycles of what we're doing and come to church and just feel better about the nature of God never, he didn't shed his blood for that. Woo! How powerful would it be for an ex-drug addict to go right in the trap house and nothing on those tables move him? I don't want what you got. But when I get done with you, you're going to want what I got. How powerful would it be to go into the houses of prostitution knowing how sexually active you used to be and be so free that there's nothing inside of you that wants what they're doing. God wants that kind of church. So full of faith, so full of power, so full of purity, and yet so full of compassion that it doesn't matter what stuff you're doing. When I get around you, I'm the light. And you're going to want what's inside of me. I'll say this and then we're going to pray. This is what stirs me about what I'm looking at in the life of Kanye. A man who by every, in every sense of the word, has facilitated through his music every form of bondage, every lifestyle of darkness, and now is so free <laughs> that he could go right into darkness and nothing about what he sees them doing pulls him back into it.
for his mission is to bring people to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ who really set him free. That's the church alive. That's the church alive. I'm telling you, Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ in you is amazing. Oh, you cannot lose with the stuff that we have. Do you know that when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead? When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you have the same spirit that fell on Peter, James, and John. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost, there's not an Acts chapter 2 version and then a Bay Area version. No, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of you. That means we have access to the same grace that they had access to. That means my shadow can heal people. That means I can lay hands on a dead girl and say, rise in Jesus' name. That means I can cast out devils. I can lay hands on the sick. I can and declare his word with power. That means I have the same anointing, the same grace. Why do we have a billion dollar Holy Ghost if we live on 10 cents a day? I want you to stand to your feet. You're the glorious church. You're glorious. And God wants to activate that. God wants to shake us. And that didn't happen for Brother Cheney, but it can happen for us. God wants to answer that cry of that nephew. Why? And I was thinking, man, if, what would have happened if Brother Cheney got out of that casket? What would have happened that day if Brother Cheney said, son, I'm here? What would, have, what would have happened for that young man if he saw Brother Cheney fully alive? How different would his cry become? What would happen if the church of Oakland, the church of San Francisco, the church of America, what would happen if she would get out of her grave? She'd come out of the casket. What would happen? If she got full of the Holy Ghost again. What would be possible? Oh, man. I have the privilege in this season of my life to, to go to Africa. And I've been, this is, I've, I just came back from my fifth trip there. And I go with Reinhard Bunke's ministry. Daniel Kalinda is the one who preaches there. And in being there, you get a chance to see hundreds and thousands of people accept Jesus. And not just accept Jesus, 
I'm talking about demons cast out, healings that are crazy. I mean, it's it's mind blowing. And as I'm reflecting on being one of the things that they are adamant about is taking those who have accepted Christ and putting them in local churches. And they have a huge and amazing system for this. There are entire villages that were bound by witch doctors one moment. And now the entire village is Christian. I'm talking about under satanic rule, crusade, now the whole village are people of prayer. Eighty, eight hundred to a thousand, two thousand people that's living in the village, all Christian, out of one crusade. You know how much different that neighborhood is. church is fully alive. And I say, God, I love that I get to travel to Africa to see this, but I'm not going to settle for only seeing it in Africa. I want to see it in Oakland. I want to see it in San Francisco. I want to see it in LA. I want to see it in Arizona. I want to see it in Tennessee. Anybody besides me want to see it? Let me ask this. How many of you want to be one that God uses to release it? Everybody in this room that would say, maybe I'm not, I don't know if I'm totally dead, but I'm not as alive as I should be. I'm not as vibrant as I need to be. Or you might say, you know what? I'm just, I need the life of Christ. I am just really not in a good spot. But today you will say yes to resurrection power. Today you will say yes to the life of Christ. Today you will say, Lord, I want to be the glorious church. I want to be who you called me to be. I want to be a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. I want to show forth the praises of him who called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. I want to be a burning one. As we begin to seek the Lord. I want you to posture your heart to respond to this. And, and for some, I think coming to the altar and kneeling would be appropriate. I think many of us, that would be what you need to do. For others, it might be just to kneel where you're at and just let heaven search your heart. Some of you, you may not be dead, but there's stuff happening inside of you like Brother Cheney. You don't know it's about to destroy you. The stuff maybe you've let in that you need to say, God, deal with this before it kills me. Maybe there's some areas of bitterness and unforgiveness. Maybe there's some challenges in your perspective. Maybe the way you've been allowing the world to impact you, God says that needs to change because it's killing the life that's inside of you. I just want you to let Holy Spirit speak to his church. Because when he comes, he wants to come back to a glorious church church without spot or wrinkle or blemish. Lord, we lift our hands to you and we say yes. Somebody shout yes. God, we say yes. We yield to your spirit. We yield to your heart. We yield to your call. We surrender all to you, Jesus. 
I want you to come to the altar if that's what you feel like the Lord will call you to do. I want you to respond to this moment if you feel like you need to sit and reflect. But let's just take the next 10, 15 minutes or so and just let the Lord begin to deal with our hearts. Nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else. Nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want nothing else, nothing else. Nothing else, nothing else, nothing else nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want nothing else.
When I've just gone through the motions, I'm sorry. When I just sing another song, take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. We open up our hearts to you today. Take me back to where we started. I opened up my heart to you, oh Lord. Oh. Really quick, I just want to say this. We, this session, we still have 30 minutes or whatever. We're still early. But Collide team especially, hear me out. It's such a heavy conviction. Just even as I was praying. I said, Lord, I've gotten too familiar with you. I've gotten comfortable in moments like this and not honoring moments like this. In moments like this, he marks us. And I think we come into moments like this thinking, this is for somebody else. But we can't make it without moments like this. It's good to be preached at. It's good to be led in worship. But we need moments where we can get on a face, on our face, and just me and God, and God just begin to speak. And I say that because I, I looked up and I just saw people, you know, some are engaged, some are not engaged. At least for our Kali team, you guys are released from your duties. We need to engage in this moment to set aside and just spend time with the Lord. Nobody leading you in this moment. This is, you got to grow up. This is not a baby moment. This is a moment where in maturity, we are seeking the Lord and the Lord. Because as I was just praying, I just, there's, I was listening to what Eddie said. And I said, Lord, when you come back, I want to be a glorious bride. I want to be a glorious bride. We don't want to just be a show. We want power, God. So God, we repent because we've not been the church you've called us to be. God, we've gotten lackadaisical. We've gotten frustrated. We've gotten comfortable. We've gotten familiar. But God, I pray that you would stir us to be the church you've called us to be. Come on, pray for God to stir you this morning. God, that you would stir us to be the church you called us to be. Come on, Collide team. You don't, don't worry about cameras, live stream, nothing. Sound is fine. Just for a moment, everybody, just I, I need us to just press in for a moment and ask God to make us the church he's called us to be. Would you just begin as we go back into worship in this moment? I'm not going to lead you into this, but would you just go for God and just allow God to encounter you because maybe you thought this moment wasn't for you maybe you thought this was for them but come on let's grab a hold of this moment let's grab a hold of this moment i just feel the reverence and the fear of the lord
glory, Jesus. Everywhere that we go, every word that we say, we want to abide under your glory. Oh, we've got to see the addicts come to you. We've got to see the broken come to you. City Church, we are not going to make it without a sincere devotion with the Lord. If we choose to have a form, it'll last for a season, but we'll be burnt out, we'll be tired, we'll get frustrated. The thing, you know, that I've got a million things that I'm balancing in life, a million budgets, a million people, just a million things I'm balancing. And it's so funny because people get more concerned for me than I'm concerned for myself. They say, how do you do it all? All the strength. And I just have to tell people, he renews my strength like the eagle because I've waited on him. And I just so desire for us not to waste moments like this where such a powerful word was preached to lead us into repentance, to lead us into alignment with the Lord. There's got to be more, y'all. Here's what I just want to do for a few moments, whether you're sitting, kneeling, standing, whatever you're doing. Would you just close your eyes for a moment? I want you to just picture the cross. Picture the cross. It's bloody. It's rugged. It's on Golgotha's hill. And as you picture the cross, would you just take a moment with with your words out loud to align your life with Christ and his message, his gospel, his way. Maybe you veered off. Maybe you haven't encountered him for a while. Come on, EJM. Maybe you've been in all these services, but it's been a while before you've had a sincere touch from the Holy Spirit. Maybe you came to the conference because you wanted to hear the music or the preaching, but you haven't had a touch in a while. In this moment, Would you just ask God, Lord, align me right now with what you're doing. Just close your eyes and just pray, Lord, align me with what you're doing. Align me with what you're doing right now. You might even need to repent because maybe you strayed away. Maybe you haven't put time in. And if you need to repent, do that. But as you repent, I want you to say, Lord, I want to be aligned with your spirit. I want to be aligned with what you're doing. Come on, for the creatives in the room. I I don't want to just take photos of it. I don't want to make videos about it. I want to be in it. For the pastors and leaders, I don't want to just lead it. I want to be a part of it. Come on, ask God. Say, Lord, make me a part of that church Eddie was preaching about. I want to be a part of that glorious church. Come on, everybody pray. Everybody pray. Lord, make me a part of that move. You may not even know where your place is. Just say, Lord, Help me find my place. I want to be aligned with what you're doing. And I know this could be a difficult thing for those of us who don't consistently pray to linger in moments like this, but just walk with me in this journey, just to pray a little bit, just to wait on the Lord. We're not going to rush out of this moment. We're not going to rush out of this moment. God, make us the church you've called us to be. That's it. Just continue to pray. If you're not a part of Collide City Church, or even if you are, just begin to pray for your church even. Pray for your church. 
that God would make you the beautiful bride, the spotless, wrinkle-free bride that he's called us. Come on, don't just sit there. Pray, 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 pray. Come on, Kali team, don't worry about your job. Pray. Just press in for a little bit. Pray. Don't get tempted. Control your flesh. Control your flesh. And just pray. Seek the Lord. That's it. That's it. From the front to the back. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. No one's singing, leading you in worship. You go for it yourself. You know what you need the Lord to do. Just pray. against temptation this is how you're going to stay married you're going to bathe your marriage in the presence of God come on you just need to bathe your mind in the presence of God your flesh is not stronger than your spirit I speak to your spirit man right now and I command it to rise up that's it that's it rise up in the name of Jesus come into alignment with what God is doing in your life. You will be the church that God has called you to be. Come on, in this moment, bondages are breaking off. Come on, in these moments, God's going to deal with the inner workings, your pride and ego, your need to be seen. God's going to deal with that in this moment. Come on, just lay that before him. Your anger issues, your temper, your jealousy and envy, lay it down right now. The stuff you're afraid to admit, come on, lay it down so he can clean you. Lay it down so he can wash you white as snow. There's no shame. There's no guilt. Just lay it down so he can wash you white as snow. frustrated with what you're you've been called to do in this season your prayer is not to tell God how to use you it's just to say Lord use me God and we consider the cost if it cost us fatigue if it cost us relationships if it cost us humiliation Lord however you want to use us if it's not with a microphone Lord however you want to use us come on would somebody pray that with me Lord however you want to use me I submit my life before you you can use me however you want to. I am a free willing agent. I'm a free vessel. Whatever it is. Come on, say that out loud. Say it out loud. Pray it out loud, Lord, however you want to use me in your body. Whatever you want to, if I'm called to preach or if I'm called to be an usher. Come on, if I'm, I'm called to be whatever, I want to just be used by you. However you want to use me, God, pray it out.
just two more minutes, just two more minutes. Come on, Kalai team. Come on, EJM. Come on, family. This is not just about doing church. It's about becoming church. Come on, that's why we've gathered this weekend. Because we want more than just services. We want more than just events. We want more than just serving opportunities. We want to be used for kingdom expansion. Frustration isn't with your leadership. Your frustration isn't with your your relationship or with people. You're frustrated because you haven't been bathed in the presence of God. Just let him bathe you in his presence right now. That's where all that stuff gets healed. He'll fix all of that stuff. All the animosity, the unforgiveness, all of it. So that he can use you. So that he can use you. He wants to use you. Hallelujah.